Bigger than cakes. Give me some outside. Yeah, I mean, I was looking forward to it, and then I watched it. Hello, welcome to Bigger Than Capes. I'm Zach with Angela. We're back. It's a new we year. are. It's 2023. Jesus. So, so they tell me, and so I'll fail to say for the next six months. <laughs> Three at the very least. Um, how, how you been? We haven't done an episode in a couple of weeks, of three three weeks, I think was the I, last yeah. one. I can't remember. Time has become an abstract concept, as it does over that period in December. Like Christmas, New Year, it just completely messes things up. It's like a non-period of time that we all experience. And then we like rejoin the actual timeline and we're very confused. Yeah, I... Kind of glad we've taken a break because I feel like there's a lot of people put, who put out a lot of content in that kind of period and it's impossible for me to keep up with it anyway. So, yeah, I'm glad we've had a little bit of a break and we're back. Um, I like to think everyone will have spent their s- kind of seasonal Christmas festive holiday period catching up on all of our previous podcasts kind of an, yeah. inten- an intensive like two weeks of nothing but bigger than capes just completely d- all of it all the time yeah wall to wall bigger than capes just a capathon if you will <laughs> i can't explain why i don't like that but i don't know <laughs> I, d- I didn't like it and i said it um but we're back and controversially we're going to be doing our best of 2022 <laughs> Yes. Here in January 2023, which we we have a history of doing quite an intensive breakdown of the previous year, and mm. I think we're, we're we're taking this a little bit more chill and like yeah. Firstly, I think there there has been a lot of good comics. There have, and we did kind of a mid year you know year so far kind of roundup which was to kind of alleviate some of the pressure right here right now so yeah those still apply they were all very good but go listen to that podcast if you want to know more i sure wish i could remember what we recommended way back then uh i remember recommending the good asian guilt and archie armstrong so I'm told. And I stand by those statements. I talked about I hate this place. I talked about what's the furthest place from here. And I talked about homesick pilots. Yes. Stop me if you've heard that one. Um, <laughs> Spoilers, it doesn't make it onto this list. Uh, yeah, I, as homesick pilots had already finished by the halfway mark. I won't be plugging Homesick Pilots today as the greatest thing in all of the times, um, purely because I've said it so frequently mm. in like 2020 through to 2022 that I feel like 
at some point a line must be drawn there. And that that is now. Yeah, so I'm I'm going to draw a line under homesick pilots. Um, see every review every review on the website that's uh, biggerthancapes.com and every podcast where I've shoehorned in an excuse to talk about it. So with that being said, we've got some new recommendations, some new picks. Some of them have appeared on our, either on the site or on previous roundups, I think, but some of it is a little bit newer or a little bit less talked about. Yep. Um, Which is good. Um, We're also going to touch on some films and some TVs and some, I don't know, whatever medias as you fancy hitting up along the way yeah um we'll start out with comics kind of going back and forth between us i, I think we've both got three picks for yes yeah. series is this. have I you got any um have you got any honorable mentions i have got some honorable mentions i got a couple but one i can directly link into one of my actual ones anyway so okay i might just mention it in passing um I'm going to drop mine early then, just to get out of the way. Go on. Uh, so so one of which I mentioned in the All Ages Roundup was Dead Girls Beach Day by Beck, Becca Kubrick, um, which is the kind of one shot which is g- coming before the hopeful graphic novel they're going to release this year, uh, which is about the three three friends going to the beach and there being a ghost story about a guy who died there on the beach and you have to leave a tribute to him. Um, and if you don't, you know, he's going to get you. Uh, it's, it's good. It's just really good. It's short. It's fast. It's great. Um, available now at volume1comics.co.uk. Uh, it's good. Read it. Buy it. Listen to me. Um, and also <laughs> Tr- True Cult is really good. Uh, it's been coming out through IDW. Um, honorable mention in the sense that it was a Kickstarter. I'm pretty sure in like 2020, and it came out, yeah. and then it, it arrived in 2021. So, whilst it's getting like a mainstream non-Kickstarter release, it is real good. We did um, the first issue in a roundup a couple of months ago. So, if you want more about that, go check it out. It's real good. Those are my. Only, only honourable mentions. Only honourable mentions. Everything else is canon. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Have we got another one? Kind of. Um, yeah, fuck it. Um, still, still the blue flame. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah! Which I think was on my, like, best of 2021, which is it why was. I don't want to do it this year, but it's taken so long for the, like, 10 issues to come out. It's still good, and it, yeah, but I don't want to give too much time because I've already talked about it enthusiastically like a year ago, I think. Fair enough. Would you like to get us started on the real picks, Angela? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my honourable mentions now because I can segue it nicely into one of my picks. Se- segue away. Segue. Um, honourable mention, I'm going to say time before time. Um, we are now on issue 19, so if you haven't started reading it, this is not a jumping on point. <laughs> Just going to say, go back, read volume one, read volume two, volume three. Um, but yeah, it's still really, really good. It's evolving. It's developing. I have, I've reviewed every issue. Go and read all my reviews. 
Um, so I'm going to mention that. I'm also going to mention Lego Ninjago Garmadon. Garmadon. I know I pronounced his name wrong. Garmadon. There we go. Got it eventually. Um, which the reasons are in the All Ages um, podcast that we did before Christmas. Um, can confirm. Gave it to a seven-year-old as a Christmas present, the trade, and he read it in one sitting and was delighted. So, winning. Um, the other honourable mention is Quests Aside from Vault, um, which is... I haven't... <laughs> there will be a review upon the website, hopefully, when this podcast goes up, because I have reviewed all of the issues, but the last review got lost in Christmas myths. Um, so, yeah, it's about a bar, Quests Aside, run by a collection of fantasy-troped-out characters um, and their trials and tribulations, um, but it's full of humour. It's really... The art's really good. I just really like Quest Aside. There's a bard. There's a talking skeleton called Ray, who's the cook. It's just really good. Um, And it's, you know, fantasy. It's, you know, anyone who has read any fantasy will be like, oh, yes, I recognise these sorts of characters and this sort of situation. Because, um, of course, quests aside, they all go on quests. That's the, you know, the bar. People come in and say, I need ten strong men to go and wrestle a troll. Um, so, yeah, very good, very funny, very enjoyable. But Vault also do another fantasy book. Um, <laughs> Swords and Sorcery, if you will, um, which is Barbaric. So Barbaric, the first lot, the first trade was out a while ago. So it, they've picked up for another three issues we had the harvest blades in the middle which kind of filled in a bit of owen's backstory or what he did before he met a witch um which was very very good it was kind of a standalone um you'll get more out of it if you're more familiar with the world of barbaric but the idea was it was a one done narrative so that worked quite well uh but then we're back for three more issues which is uh, axe to grind is this volume's subtitle and it picks up where the first volume left off. So you have uh, Owen, you have Sauron the Witch, and you have his old friend Steel, who's been enslaved by a master vampire. Um, and they set off to, you know, fix things. Um, it does expand the world out a lot. We see the sea. <laughs> see the sea. Uh, quite literally. There's a whole bit. They go, they go on a boat. Um, there's more sort of information about Owen and Axe and the curse which has a twist at the end, which I will not spoil. And Steel's a really good addition because he sort of plays off the group in a little bit different. He brings a different dynamic to the group. Mm. Um, But yeah, you know, basically Owen ends up on a revenge mission. Um, And how will that end? Possibly not well, possibly with a cliffhanger. I don't want to say too much because the joy of Barbaric is reading it and just being surprised. But there's lots of blood. There's lots of gore. There's lots of, you know, it is humorous as well. And I loved the first lot and I really like the second lot. I think I probably still prefer the first volume in some regards because I'm that kind of a person. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoyed Astrogrand. I'm looking forward to more of Barbaric. If they can get on that in 2023, that would be good. Um, there is, I think, is another one shot and then we're hopefully picking up the main arc. But there we go. That's my first pick. Um, and a, a pick I pretty strongly agree with. It's really good. And is it hell to pay that we've got coming up like next yes. week? Or yeah. Yeah. Very soon. Real, real soon. Mm. 
Um, I wish I had more notes for what I'm about to say. <clears throat> let's let's just power through. Who needs notes? So I'm going to stick with fantasy for my first recomm- for, for my first pick. Recommendation. Recommendation. That's what this is. This is recommendations. Yeah, I, I don't know what that means, but yeah, that's what this is. I'm going to stick fantasy with Doug Wagner, Tim Odeland, Michelle Madsen, Ed Dukeshire, and Erica Schnatz's Beware the Eye of Odin. Yeah. Image. Uh, we talked about the first issue about four or five months ago, maybe six now. I don't know. Yeah. Some months ago, we talked about it. Um, basically, it follows the story of um, Helgi and who had Helgi, who has come into possession of the um, Eye of Odin, and uh, with the help of his unlikely friends, Caitlin and Steiger. Steger, Steiger, still haven't settled on how to pronounce that. No. Um, they quest across the land to return the Eye of Odin to its rightful owner, um, and in doing so, hopefully not dying. Yeah, <laughs> 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 you know, it's the tales to- as old as time. Um, quite heavily influenced by like Norse mythology, although there's definitely some departures. I don't think it. I don't think any of it is directly taken from it's definitely more inspired by than like a retelling of any specific norse mythology there's Mm. recognizable things but there's aspects to the story that have clearly been changed from what you've probably heard in other versions um yes it's real dumb and it's real fun um really unpredictable at times and they kind of come up against trolls and hundred folk and dwarves and all classic, you know, Viking problems. It's just, it's just good. Um, I think Doug Wagner has written some really unlikely books the last few years mm-hmm. between plastic and vinyl. Um, I haven't read plush yet, which is the new, his newest series, I think. Um, but yeah, he's he's done some real wild series, and I almost feel like this is one of the more grounded ones, which feels it's a sign of something. It's it's weird because it's fantasy, but it feels more grounded than like his. I'm reluctant to call plastic like real world, but <laughs> um, he he's released some really good, really weird books, and this is one of them that I would quite strongly recommend. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> that's that's a good one. Um, the next one, I'm I'm gonna go with a Valiant book because I am contractually obligated. <laughs> um, twenty twenty two was meant to be the the year of Valiant. T- turned out it wasn't. <laughs> like like all the other years. <laughs> like all the other years. Um, it's no secret that um, Valiant have had some problems behind the scenes lately which has impacted um, quite significantly on Mm. the books they've been putting out. Um, But they did put out at least four issues of Bloodshot Unleashed. Um, I forgot to mention the creative team for Barbaric. I apologise, Michael Morikai, Chris Addison and family. Um, 
but <laughs> blood genre, I don't know. I've not got the list in front of me and I can't turn the page. Um, but yeah, so Bloodshot is Dennis Camp. Um, the artist does change, which I foolishly copy and pasted in one of my um, reviews on the website, but I was corrected. Thank you, guys. John Davis Hunt does most of it. Georgie Belair is doing the colouring and Hatsan Otsmain who's doing all the other lettering as he does. Um, the artist on issue four um, is uh, Eric Zawadzki, who I think has done some time before time. I can't remember. Anyway, um, so yeah, so Bloodshot Unleashed is four issues and done. It feels like it could have gone longer than that, but it didn't. But Valiant at the moment. Um, basically, Bloodshot has had a tumultuous history. Um, the best run is still Jeff Lemire's stuff. Um and I feel like Dennis Camp's kind of drawn on that. Um, so we open with sort of bloodshot in his house, um, no sign of magic or his daughter, Jesse, or the dog, more to the point. Um, and he's basically given this mission to track down um, soldiers who have been enhanced in various ways. And it's basically monster of the issue. So each issue he goes after a different soldier who's a different problem. Um, in issue three, he teams up with Exo Man of War, because who doesn't love a crossover with Exo Man of War? Nobody. Um, <laughs> we all love it. Um, so tonally, it is probably more similar to the Jeff Lemire sadness era, which is the way I prefer my bloodshot. I'm not so keen on just the action. I like there to be some emotional undercurrent there. Uh, Dennis Camp was very nice because I did make a point that I'm not a fan of fridging the family, but his solution or the reasoning that he chose um, is spot on. Um, and he reassured, he reached out, reassured me, stick with it. And he was right. Thank you, sir. Um, yeah, it's it's not a long read for issues. Quite, quite good. In fact, all of my picks really are really short, actually. There's not one that's more than four issues. Um <laughs> says something about me um but yeah so bloodshot unleashed i think is the best bloodshot we've had since lemire's run and it's finally put to rest those ghosts of project rising spirit that was just the absolute worst <laughs> um but yeah i'm hopeful that valiant might survive 2023 we'll see um but you know they did put out some quality in 2022 um, I, I would like Valiant to bounce back and I I think it's been unpredictable since kind of the DMG takeover mm. and um, kind of Harbinger Wars 2 was the immediate indicator that this was going to get kind of chaotic. Yeah. Um, they have put some good, good stuff out this year. Um, it's a shame some things have been cut short. And I would like to see them kind of get back to where we want them to be. Mm. Um, there was a time when I think both of us would have quite comfortably said that all of our favourite books coming out were from Valiant. Yeah. I could have quite easily done a podcast that was the best of 2020, whatever, 20, whatever. And it would have entirely been Valiant books. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I hope Valiant figure out what they're doing <laughs> yeah please for the love of god um who knows from one v to another though i'm gonna go to val uh, i can't fucking speak i'm gonna go to vault 
Again, yes. Everyone's second favorite. No, v- probably, a lot of people's probably first favorite V publisher. Yeah. Um, for something else we did on a roundup that I'm once about you all forgot about, um, which is from Trez Dean, Sebastian Perez, D Cuniff, and Jim Campbell, and it's We Ride Titans. Oh, good God! I have forgotten about this, and I did read the first two issues, and and yeah, I forgot about it. That's okay. I expected that. Um, <laughs> it's kind of. There is a city, and it is being constantly attacked by kaijus, kaijus, kaiju, big monsters, and um, is protected by this one family who pilots, you know, giant mechs to punch them. Kind of Pacific Rim-esque, or Power Rangers-esque, or, well, any of those kaiju things also involves mechs, Um, which there has been a lot of in the last couple of years. there's been a lot of kaijus, a lot of mechs, mm. um, a lot of like, um, I'm going to say Super Sentai, and that's just the name of one of the shows. What's the genre? Yes, it exists as a oh, fudge. What is it called? Tokusatsu. Yeah. Tokusatsu is the word I want. Um, this airs more on the serious than that though I think okay there's some serious tokusatsu stuff okay I don't know what I'm saying Um, basically We Red Titans follows Kit who takes over as the pilot for big old mech from her brother Dej who has a little bit of a breakdown and we kind of see that she had previously retired from the mech game and the family because of the problem, because of problems with her dad. And um, I can't really give, I don't really want to dig into it too much because that's kind of the crux of the story, but it is more kind of family drama with giant robots, punching giant Mm. monsters. Um, but I think there's a really good effort to tell an emotional story about the characters and their family whilst also having big action sequences, which is kind of what I expected from Pacific Rim and instead just got yeah. not much character stuff, got a lot more punching. Um, mm. Nothing against Pacific Rim. It's, it's a pretty good film. It's um, It's good with the punching. Cracking with the punch, and you can't knock that, but it definitely doesn't deal with his brother dying. I'm, I'm not here to rant about Pacific Rim. <laughs> I'm here to rant about We Ride Titans, which is is good, and I think gets the characters and their emotions and the monsters and the giant mechs well-balanced. It's pretty, I think... Um, Sebastian Perez and Dee Cuniff do a great job of kind of showing everything as kind of dusky cityscapes falling around during the fight scenes. Um, I think it's quite simple in in a lot of scenes, but in a lot of the family scenes, but does a good job to kind of show subtle emotion between the characters and 
kind of speak for itself quite simply. I don't think there's anything needlessly complicated. I think a lot of it is quite balanced out in hey, it's big monster it's big monster fights, but hey, it's big it's big emotions too. <laughs> hated myself as soon as I did that, but I stand by it. it it's good. I like it. I, I've enjoyed reading it this year and it's the kind of series that I think works well in what we've been given so far, but I can see potential to do more in that world should they ch- I mean it's the same with Odin, same with Bloodshot, same with all these things. I think there's potential yeah. to do more um if you so choose. Yeah. Over to you for your final comic book pick. My final comic book pick is also something I would like to see more of. Um, so it is from IDW. Um, just throwing an I. I've done two V's and an I. Um, which is Star Trek Lower Decks, the comic, um, which is written by Ryan North. The art is by Chris Feneglio. The letters by Joanna Natalie and Jake Wood. So it's small creative team. Um, and basically, it, so IDW do a lot of Star Trek tie-in comics. It's been there. Among their many licensed properties, it's been mm-hmm. quite popular. They've done, you know, they've done Mirror Universe. They've done the five-year mission. They've done all of this. Um, so they've covered most of the series, except they hadn't covered the animated series Lower Decks until now. Um, and thank God they did. So it's only three issues. Um, I really want more of this. Um, it is tonally and also the art. The art is identical to the animation. I mean, he, he's absolutely nailed it. Um, and also he's nailed the movement because it's really difficult as well if you're translating an animated show to a comic is a little bit different than a live action show because obviously we're used to seeing drawings moving. Mm. Um, but he's really got that spot on. Um, it works really well. Um, the story is your classic holodeck goes wrong story with a twist, which is solo adex, um, who of course had Banshee. Um, this is basically they create sentient life. If you're familiar with, st- there are so many bits, there are so many in jokes or references. I didn't catch them all, but handily they are listed at the back of the issue, so you can go <laughs> back and go, oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, for those who forget, but Elementary Day Data had Moriarty becoming sentient and running havoc, and then he created more havoc in Ship in a Bottle, and then apparently we're bringing him back for season three of Picard, which let's not even go there. Um, honestly, yeah, yeah, I know, right? I, I don't know how to respond to that. It's a thing that's happening. <laughs> so, Whether I, I like it is, or not. Yeah, so in this instance, um, basically our, our dear heroes... Mariner, Boimler, Tendi, Rutherford um, end up with the sentient version of Dracula, as you do. Classic um, problems. Classic problems. Meanwhile, there's um, a second contact mission that's not going really very well. Um, they've they've landed on the wrong bit of the planet. Is it first contact they're doing for a change? Um, they are traditionally the second contact ship. Um, so there's that is playing out. So you have the traditional, the bridge cruise plot, which is, you know, down on the planet, things are going wrong. Um, and then, you know, you have our lower decks crew trying to contain sentient Dracula. Um, it's just absolutely hilarious. Um, anyone who's read anything by Ryan North knows his sense of humor. 
Mm. I mean, this is a man who elevated Squirrel Girl from Z-list to practically A-list in my eyes. So he knows what he's doing. But yeah, it's really good. It's really true to the show. I think you'll get more out of it. I think any Star Trek fan would get stuff out of it. I think you do have to be a fan to truly appreciate it, but I don't care. That's I'm picking it because uh, it was the most enjoyable thing I read towards the back end of last year, and that's why it's my pick. I, I think that is entirely fair. Um, haven't read much of the comic, but I, I do really like Lower Decks as a show, and I really like Ryan North as a writer. So, yes, I agree. Mm. Good call. Um, and I hope it's it's interesting because we get so much, like, next-gen comics that yeah. I would like to see more. I would like to, because obviously, like, My Little Pony and Adventure Time and a lot of animated shows kind of ran wild with IDW's comic expansion of their universe so it would be good to see a similar thing with lower decks rather than i know other things get like one trade and then done so i hope that's not the case i hope it continues because the mlp stuff and the adventure time stuff invader zim Mm. which may or may not have been idw i can't remember now but i think it, it can be a good way to expand on what you might only have what five hours to tell a full season of so it's it's a good thing um my final pick is the complete other direction so um also comes to us from a previous roundup in which i think i was the only one who was right is that let me just check my notes (laughs) i can't find my notes it's unfortunate yeah, it doesn't specify, but I think I'm the one who who was correct here. Anyway, it's, it's, it's Dark Ride. It's... You were on your own on that one. I do recall <laughs> that, yeah. So it's Josh Williamson, Andre Bresson, Adriano Lucas, uh, Pat Brosseau. Brosseau? Pat Brosseau. Pat Brosseau. And a whole bunch of people doing variant covers for each issue. Um the first issue which we talked about, so we're four issues in at the moment, I think. Yes, four issues in. I think we're waiting the fifth soon. I don't know. We're four issues in, Angela. That's, okay, that's what I do now. Yeah. Um, I tried to look up last night, like, how many issues are going to be in the trade and just came up with no answers, so I'm not sure. Um, basically... In issue one, we see that Arthur Dante wants to design horror rides and have a successful amusement park. Um, murders his wife. I, man slaughters his wife. Um, As that you doesn't do. sound like a verb. Um, yeah, but that's what he does, yeah. And then, basically, his wife's body starts talking to him as he tries to bury her on the beach or in the desert desert in the desert um and basically ends up making some kind of mysterious deal with a demon or the devil we don't we don't actually know um and many years later has a massively successful horror theme park by the name of devil land uh, not not great in the in the naming 
Took him five minutes to think of that. Yeah, it seems like a bit of a rush job on the naming convention, but hey, what are you going to do? The first issue introduces us to Owen, who is just fucking psyched to work at Devil Land, man. You know, he... Oh, man, he just loves Devil Land, for better or for worse. And over-enthusiastic. We then kind of see a bit... uh, Apparently, I'm the family drama guy this year. We Mm. kind of see family drama between Arthur Dante's two kids, uh, Sam and Halloween, who are both, like, completely opposing, like, heir apparents to the throne of Devil Land. I've made that sound really weird. Uh, Halloween is kind of off-the-rails celebrity of, you know, has a sex tape and is a singer sometimes and is an actress others and all the kind of cliche overblown celebrity stuff. Whereas Sam, Sam Hain is trying to just make the park work and figure out what the next steps are. Um, because he's concerned that eventually people are going to stop caring because they already don't care. Um, And you kind of get a lot of real world kind of characters in a weird way. So we have like the blogger who, vlogger who's YouTubing constantly about the park and the mysteries behind it, which is a thing you do get with real like Disneyland and yeah. um, Where is Walt Disney's brain? (laughs) It's frozen in a fridge somewhere. That's right. So they can reanimate him when we have robot bodies. That's exactly right. Um, so I'm told. Uh, it gets pretty brutal horror pretty fast in the first issue. And we weren't sure where it was going to go uh, after that. And it kind of surprised me the direction it's gone in, but I'm happy with it. It ramps up quite quickly. And I think Josh Williamson has done some really good horror books before this. Um Nailbiter and Ghosted are both great. Uh, Birthright's good. His Flash comic is also a comic I've read. <laughs> <laughs> Exists. I would I would go for Ghosted or Nailbiter or Birthright before recommending The Flash. But I don't think there are any good Flash comics. That's another... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, the 70s. Anyway. Um, I, there's just... The Flash doesn't speak to me that much. Um Kid Flash, on the other hand. Oh. Hey! Um, no. I, um, but yeah, I would definitely check out... If if you're into Dark Ride, I would go back to Ghosted and Birthright and the other one, Nailbiter. And yep. if you're into any of those, I would definitely check this out. Also, if you want a horror comic set in a theme park, this is probably for you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you kind of like... Because I read the first issue... And I don't think I was that... I can't remember what I said at the time. And I've not gone back to listen to it. Um, But, yeah, I wasn't... I remember I wasn't terribly enthusiastic. But now I feel I should go read some more. It's good. I I like it. I I was confident it was really good at the time. But as it's continued, it's it's still really good, Angela. I'm I'm correct. You've been proven right. Yeah, and, and you're into horror now. That's your revelation. Oh God, yeah, I know. Years, I know what you've done to me. I blame you entirely on it's that. It's taken one. two years, but I've turned you into a horror reader. Yeah, yeah. It took a while, but we got there. 
So half an hour in, we've kind of covered our top yeah. comic picks from the last year. Yeah. Um, if you want to stick around, we're going to do some film and TV picks. Mm. If 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 you were here purely for the comics, see ya. <laughs> go and read those comics and enjoy <laughs> life. Yes. Um, would you like to do TV or film first? Well, I'll probably do... I mean, my film list is is one. Um, and it's one of the ones you watch. So I'm, I, I would suggest TV, because if you're still here after listening to the comics, my last comic also ties into my TV picks. No way. What was that pick, Angela? Really? So it was it was Star Trek Lower Decks. So we got, we got a lot of the Star Treks last year. Um... I mean, some of us remember the the wilderness years um, where we didn't have any Star Trek, um, which, you know, 2005 through to 2017, they were long 12 years. Oh, you mean post-Enterprise? Yeah. I don't remember the bit between, you know, I don't remember the bit between the 60s. Did Enterprise really finish in 2005? Yeah, it did. Yeah. God damn. I'm old. Yeah. I know. Um so I remember those wilderness years, having grown up with basically, you know, having a Star Trek every year of my life. And now there is all the Star Treks. And I will mention one of the other Star Treks later as another pick, but because, we'll, you know, I'm nothing if not predictable. But I'll start with Lower Decks because it's the best Star Trek series going. Um, disclaimer, haven't seen Strange New Worlds or Prodigy because I don't have a Paramount Plus subscription. Um, I've heard they're good. But I can't pass judgment. Um, but Lower Decks just does it right. It does nostalgia right. I have ranted before about nostalgia. But Lower Decks is Star Trek nostalgia done right. It takes the essence of what it is and distills it into workplace comedy. And really, that's what we all want. Because Star Trek is basically a workplace show. It's... <laughs> Oof, controversial. Controversial. I mean, you know, yeah, you know, they go to work, they beam down to a planet, shit happens. Um, it's slightly different to your average workplace, but there's entire episodes where they just stay on the ship. And, I mean, you know, Data's Day, that was an entire episode where Data just goes and speaks to various people. It's true. Not, so it's never been, you know, it, I mean, a lot of people will sort of say it's groundbreaking science fiction, and yes, in its own way it was, it, but... Lower Decks also understands that at times Starship can be really, really stupid and silly. Um, there is There is an aspect to it. Like the whole bit with the masks. I can't remember the name of that episode. It might be even be masks. The one where they put on the cursed masks and, and they turn into a god and it's just super weird. But that is referenced in Lower Decks and it's just referenced like in passing. It's not even a plot point. It's just like <laughs> And it's like, yeah, this show gets it. This show understands that Star Trek can be optimistic and great vision of the future, but also really silly. Um, but yeah. there are, yeah, there are emotional through lines, and there is character development, and the characters do develop. Um, and it's just interesting, and it manages to hit that balance of character development, nostalgia, and also sheer absolute ridiculousness. But it makes it work. So yeah, the best of. The best of the Star Treks. Controversial. 
uh, controversial, but I, I, I am inclined to agree with you. Um, there's some really good references to all previous Star Treks, but it's just fun. It's yeah. It knows how dumb Star Trek can be, and I, th- I think if you're watching Star Trek, refusing to accept that, then, dude, come on, that's <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention it now because I just yeah, but Star Trek Discovery would be one of my other picks just because it's good. It's real it's good. good. It's good. I know people are like, but this isn't Star Trek. It's like. Well, people said that about Next Gen, and they said that about Deep Space Nine, and said that about Voyager, and, and pick pick anything. Um, but I think season four is probably my favourite season, apart from season one. Yes, season one is my favourite season. Hold my hands up. Season two has its moments. Season three starts off really strongly, and then peters out into a complete not a mess, in my opinion. The pacing of season four isn't marvellous. I admit, and it again, it suffers from pacing problems, and there are moments where plot takes precedence over character, and it shouldn't. But overall, it just feels like it's more confident, and it knows what it's doing. Um, so the second best Star Trek is Discovery. We speak not of Picard. It's it's refreshing to know that somebody else doesn't like Picard because uh, a previous podcast host. Um, who shall remain nameless, um, described Michael Burnham as fundamentally unlikable. Um, And I had to immediately respond with, oh, like Picard. (laughs) Picard is way more annoying in unlikable in Picard than Michael is in Discovery. Agreed. Um, Don't, you know, don't at me. (laughs) Yeah. Who am I kidding? No one's listening anyway. They all checked no. out when we started talking about Lower Decks for the second time. <laughs> you know, like, you've already mentioned this. I'm like, yeah, but it's really good. But I thought I'll throw Discovery in there to prove that I like other Star Trek also, except Picard. Fair. Um, similar vein to Lower Decks for my first TV pick is... And cancelled. God forbid. God forbid. I, I I picked a show that hadn't literally been cancelled. So uh, last year and this year, me and Will talked a, a lot about how good Final Space was, which was very similar to Lower Decks yes. and very cancelled when there was only really one season to go. Um, this year in shows, Zach's th- Zach thinks were good that we got cancelled. Uh, Inside Job. Which was oh, good yeah. and is now cancelled because we're not allowed nice things. And um, not to take any shots at anyone, but if you're out there and you're not watching shows because they look too much like Rick and Morty, <laughs> oh man, you're going to have a real rough next 10 years. <laughs> really good show. Um, follows basically a group of I'm realising now it is very similar to Lower Decks Lower Decks because it is also like a workplace thing Um, follows a group of people who work for Cognito Inc who basically are the deep state who you know control the conspiracies and are in charge of 
robots to replace the president and clones to replace celebrities that die and all, all good stuff. A lot of that was yeah. season one. We got, well, no, we got part two of season one this year and part one of season one in. We got part two of season one in 2022. We got part one of season one in 2021. I stand by what I've just said. If you, I'm not, I don't understand it what sense. I've just said. It makes um, sense. Thank God. One in one, two in two. Eh? Sure, yeah. <laughs> the more we say it, the less I know. Um, but as a show, I think good representation. We have different characters from different backgrounds and a good mix of male and female characters and genderless mushroom characters, um, like all good shows do. And I, I think... Some really dumb jokes, but some really well put together jokes. Uh, there's a Keanu Reeves as a vampire episode, which is what all shows need. They just don't always know it. Good show. Um, if you like Lower Decks, you're probably going to be into Inside Job. If you like Final Space, you're probably going to be into Inside Job. Um, sure, if you like Rick and Morty, maybe you're going to be into Inside Job. And if you hated Rick and Morty, you're going to hate Inside Job because you can't get past that, and I'm sorry. It's, that's, <laughs> that's your it's okay. It, <laughs> at some point, you'll catch up. It's fine. There you go. I don't, I don't know how else to... Just, just go and watch it, is your basic point. Watch more stuff on Netflix. It's, it's really good. Stop paying your TV license. You don't need the BBC. <laughs> They're holding you back. Um, <laughs> They're holding you back with their iPlayer and all of the things. The only way we're going to get live, live government-funded fireworks on TV at New Year's on another channel is if we all get, get rid of BBC now. <laughs> That's look, the reasoning. Look, guys, we've got most of a year to make a change here. Let's all start watching all four more. And <laughs> <laughs> or you could watch ITVX, which I'm reliably informed is Britain's freshest streaming service. It's on LED screens <laughs> on the side of buses. I don't know how I know. they've put so much money into plugging it. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> right... <laughs> I'm not trying to change the world, okay? I'm just trying to change yeah. where Netflix. I get my New Year's countdown. <laughs> just want it on a different channel. Don't they don't do it on ITV? I mean, I'm always in bed at that time now. Even, I don't know. Maybe. maybe. I don't know. I've not watched it in what? a couple of years. I've got a dog now. I can't. Every year I end up seeing Hoot and Annie, and I just think it's time to draw a line under Hoot and Annie. And then the jump to to BBC One for the fireworks and just acknowledge that what the people really want is a good alternative. Make, make it so. <laughs> Number one. But <laughs> This is so off topic. I, I can't even figure out how long I've been talking about this. It feels like... No. Should we move on? Please. Yeah. Okay. So, to another streaming service. Um... So I'm going to go Disney Plus. And we had a lot of the Star Wars this year. We've had all the Star Treks. We've had a lot of Star Wars. And, you know, some of us remember those wilderness years after the prequels. Um, before the Clone Wars. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the point is, is, there was a lot of the Star Wars this year. 
and some of it was good and some of it was Picard like um but the the best of it was Andor and I'm just throwing that out there it it was um I know some people preferred Obi-Wan Kenobi because that had Jedi in it I'd like to point out none of the inquisitors did the helicopter thing um at all so you know that's why I watch a show with inquisitors in it rebels clearly showed us that they can helicopter like Mary Poppins. Um, that never appeared in Obi-Wan Kenobi, and that's really why <laughs> it was the worst show. Um, but yeah, no, Andor was the... I mean, no one was asking for a prequel with Cassie and Andor because, spoiler alert, he dies at the end of Rogue One, and everyone was like... What? I know. <laughs> to be fair, they all die at the end of Rogue One. What? I know. Um People were like, I mean, it was weird at the time because people were like, mm, it's weird because, we, you know, how are they going to fit these into canon? Because we don't see them on Yavin during, you know, episode four. And it's like, yeah, there's a reason for that. They're all dead. I mean, everyone knew going in that was going to be the case. Um, but everyone was like, why are we making a prequel about the guy who died at the end of Rogue One? Um, and then many of them ate their words because what happened was Tony Gilroy came along and turned it into a very clever political thriller type rise of fascism voice of the people birth of a revolution kind of thing he follows various threads he doesn't just follow andor and i mean you know his name is in the title but to be honest there's as much about other characters as there is about him it's not just all cassian all the time um some people found the first three episodes slow i actually liked them a lot because i'm unpopular that way um, but it does pick up, it has like episode arcs, so you have chunks of episodes that, what's interesting is Disney released it weekly, which was really frustrating, because quite clearly the episode would just stop, and you were like, that, that's it now? That, that's it? It did work far better if you went back and actually binged each arc, um, and looking back, Disney probably should have done that, but I would have got no work done, so I can see why you didn't. Um, but yeah, it's just really good. It's it's really fleshed out the darker side of Star Wars a bit. But I mean, we talk about dark and gritty. It, it kind of is and it isn't. There's still hope. There's still, you know, there's more shooting of people uh, randomly. But Star Wars has always had people shooting each other randomly. It's not new. Um, but yeah, very well well written and i think a lot of shows could stand to look at and the pacing was really good i mean people complained about the pacing and they're like actually it's fine good characterization it's expanded the world out in ways that is unexpected and it was just it was just very good and there will be a season two what what worries me about season two i mean season one covers basically a year and season two is meant to cover four um in one so i'm not sure how that's gonna work let's see well, as a thing, it was the best Star Wars thing that came out last year. And that, that that's an undisputed fact. By me. <laughs> um, I'll admit I'm not up to date with my Star Wars for 2022. Um, but I've heard a lot of good things about Ando, and we'll get to it at some point. Um, I've heard more good things about Ando than I did about Obi-Wan. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I also made a perhaps fatal mistake to start re-watching all of Star Wars in December. Oh, you did? Yeah. Um, I think it was the point where I got to... So I've watched the prequels and I've watched Solo and realised I've still somehow got seven films to go. 
Mm. <laughs> um, which I'm not sure why that stressed me out so much, <laughs> but boy, did it. Um, so yeah, at some point I'm going to carry on with my great Star Wars rewatch. And then I was going to circle around to the show as when I've kind of watched a sickening amount of Star Wars already. Um, I'm, I'm not re-watching Mandalorian. I don't care enough. I... But season three is happening. I mean, we had season 2.5. They called it the Book of Boba Fett, but we knew better. Oh, yeah. Mm, everyone forgets that even existed. Yeah, that's something I didn't watch properly. I'm not even sure I watched all of season two of Mandalorian. I lost interest hard. <laughs> um but speaking of disney plus yes uh, my other film well one of my other tv picks was she hulk which Mm. boy did people hate she hulk didn't they um but it's real good so i don't know why um because it's a female-led show that doesn't take itself too seriously which is just fucking amazing um but that that just annoys the internet. The internet doesn't like that sort of thing. That is very true. Um, at a point where I am quite marvelled out, I think since Endgame, I'm a little bit eh. I don't know. There's, I haven't been very invested in anything. Um, I quite liked Spider Man No Way Home. I enjoyed multiverse of madness but i don't know some of the shows have been good some of them have not lived up to the hype um i like that she hulk is like half hour episodes and fun and doesn't ask anything of me um 10 years or 10 plus years into marvel i i think being asked very little of from a show is kind of pretty Mm. great after the kind of demand of investment in a lot of the previous shows and films. Um, I can't remember anybody's name. The lady who is She-Hulk, help me. Tatiana Masolani. Tatiana Masolani. Um, really good. Does good as Jen, does good as She-Hulk. Um, plays both sides quite well. I think the overall casting... Uh, Tim Roth as Abomination. It's good stuff. He, mm. um, I think we all need a constant reminder that he's really good at acting. Even, yeah, even when he's Abomination, he is very good. Um, but yeah, good cast and yeah, CGI is kind of wonky, but eh, I don't, I don't really care. I, I mean, I just think of people like, oh, the CGI is wonky. I'm like, yeah, but I remember Auto Man in the 80s. Yeah. I, I, people complain about the CGI, and I think, yeah, but I've rewatched the Power Rangers film, like, you yeah. know, in the 2010s, and that is some of the worst CGI. And I know because they just ran out of money, but <laughs> you can't afford texture if you've got no money. Um, so I look at, I have that and Lawnmower Man and like. Oh God, Lawnmower Man, yeah. Constantly. It, it's hard to stop thinking about Lawnmower Man once you know about it. Yeah, um, true. So every time I see 
people complain about how She-Hulk looks. I just think about Pierce Brosnan and (laughs) how Lawnmower Man's definitely the reason he was Bond. I mean, I can buy that. It's either that or Dante's Peak, and I know which one I'd prefer to be the truth. It's Lawnmower Man, clearly. But I mean, there's a sequel to Lawnmower Man. I haven't seen it. I don't know if I ever will, but boy, am I optimistic (laughs) to know there's more. I don't know how you can top that, though. But anything with... I mean, CGI ages poorly anyway. Like, if you go back and watch the first Harry Potter film, which I wouldn't unless you already (laughs) own it, um, like, the, the CGI in that is absolutely appalling. Like, the whole bit where... Harry is on a broomstick being shaken about or, or goes <laughs> to get the key. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's just, Jesus Christ. I mean, Lord of the Rings, to be fair, has not done bad. But if you compare Lord of the Rings, which is a lot of practical creatures mm. from where to where shop, and then you compare it to The Hobbit, just saying. So CGI is going to age whatever. So it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad as long as you can buy the story and the world and the acting is there. Because ultimately, nothing ages well with CGI. And kids, you know, 50 years from now are going to be like, the the most cutting-edge thing now, they're going to be like, yeah, that was rubbish. Yeah. Um, so don't sweat about CGI and don't spend time freeze-framing stuff and counting pixels and shit. It is what it is. If you can buy the person as the person, character... Don't, don't buy that person as the person. If you can buy that person as the character, then it doesn't really matter. Just go with it, you know. Or alternatively, just pretend it's a radio play and just don't watch the visuals. Just listen to She-Hulk with Just me. listen to it, and then you can have it all in your head with perfect CGI. <laughs> don't know what to say to that. Um, <laughs> I don't have... know where... Do you have a third show, or are you all showed out? I mean, I can I can just defend the BBC slightly because <laughs> I will I will say that one of the most consistent shows that they put out is is Ghosts, which is also a sitcom. Um, because it it's something I can actually like all of our family can watch, and it's fine. But it also is surprisingly touching. Like, why am I crying over a? 17th century accused witch passing over to the next life. I've no idea, but it, it it's just very wholesome and nice. And it's the kind of thing that we all associate with the goodness of the BBC as opposed to Jules Holland's never ending career. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. And they've done, they've done, oh God, are we on series four now? We've just had, and they're working on series five and it just feels like man there's there's been a lot of it there is a there is a remake they've done in the US which I have not watched but I don't I don't know I've no interest in watching it but the original ghosts is just charming and sweet and yeah but also hilarious at points as well so it ticks all my boxes and also goodness from the BBC so I will continue to pay the license for you <laughs> I'm afraid you're Fireworks are going to have to be on BBC One. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's like that, is it, Angela? Yeah. Um, now that, that fair. I'm not saying all the BBC is bad, but, you know. To be fair, New Year is the worst time. But, you know, they gave Sam Ryder a job after he won Eurovision, so that's not... Well, he didn't win Eurovision. Hey. He came he, second. He came second and somehow has got all the prizes. Impressive. <laughs> 
Yeah. All it took was a war for him to. <laughs> yeah. Basic. Not, not a great look for us as a, as a country. It's a nation, no. Um, so my final TV show is, and I ain't going to linger on this for long because there's not a lot to say, it's Dear Sandman. It's, oh, yeah, that was a thing. Um, it's a thing. People were really excited about it for about a month and a half. Um, in the opposite of Stranger Things, where people are still hellfire clubbing about and... Um, yeah, it seems like Sandman just came and went overnight, but it was legitimately a very good adaptation of quite a good comic. Um, yeah. Casting is good. Acting is good. Um, it's one of the few versions of um, a comic. It's one of the few comic book shows that I would argue you can watch Sandman and you probably don't really need to read the comic unless you really, really want to. It covers a lot of the same ground. Maybe that'll change as the show goes on, but it's not like Civil War, where it's a completely different story, and not yeah. reading the reading the comic and watching the film are completely think, different things. I think Sandman is very close to Sandman, and just works. They, yeah. You know, they made one of my favourite episodes into a... No, one of my favourite issues of Sandman into an episode of really good CV. Half an episode of really good CV. Good job. Five stars. Yay! Would recommend. Um, Apparently now has a season two. Yeah. Or Not we'll, been cancelled by Netflix. I yeah, congrats Netflix. Um, we'll put that in the category of things I'm allowed more of. Not yeah. like Inside Job or uh, they didn't cancel Final Space, but uh, hey. What else did they cancel? Everything sucks. Only I cared about that. They took it away yeah. from me. Daybreak. Did, did it end? Yeah. Sure. Could there have been more? Probably. Um, mm. Just needlessly complaining about Netflix now. You want to do some films, even though you've not seen any? I've not seen any films. <laughs> um, it's just very difficult for me to see films these days because it's like I can't leave the dog for too long. So... I'm going I'm to go with Werewolf by Night, which we covered on a podcast. And can I just say, can we have films that are, like, shorter? Like, I don't need two and a half hours, or is it nearly three hours, Mr. Cameron, with, with your avatar and your water and things? <laughs> like, I don't have time to invest in that. I have very limited free time. I have to make choices over what media I consume. If you make a short film... You know, even if it's just an hour and a half, I will invest in that more. But when it's like two hours or like two and a half hours, I'm like, I ain't got time for this. I, I just don't. Um, I can't abandon my dog for that long. Um, or I just can't be asked. But Werewolf by Night was, was it like 60 minutes? It wasn't even 60 minutes, was it? I don't think. It was like just like an extended. Um, yeah, it's like less than an hour, but it's it's a good, it's a good hour. But it, yeah, it's a good and it works as a film and it works as like a homage to the old black and white monster films of the 30s and similar eras. Um and it that I think it shows as well is that if you have a good story and you have interesting characters and you you know you don't have to pad the plot out because a lot of these mm. films a lot of the time it feels like they're just padding the plot because 
heaven forbid we should have a runtime less than you know two hours and it's like sometimes it doesn't need that you can trim it down and if your film is an hour an hour and a half that's as long as it is and people will enjoy it and wild by night was very enjoyable as someone who doesn't watch a lot of horror (laughs) i'm a horror reader now this may change um it's not too it's horrific but it's not overly horrific it's got a nice tone to it it's interesting it has good acting it has good writing it has good music the music's really clever um if you want to know more i go on about it quite a bit in that podcast episode werewolf by night that we did so you can check that out and go oh yeah angela was right so yeah i just need more films like that please and i know marvel are trying to do more sort of specials which i think Mm. is nice because it means that uh, you know, for people who don't have time to invest in their massive epic. Um, and also, it does feel like it's one of the better Marvel things, because like you, I am so burnt out on Marvel. Like, and I'm also, like, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Oh, yeah, that's I, a thing. That's happening. That's a thing. I've seen the trailer, and I like many things, but I don't <laughs> like, I don't need epicness from Ant-Man. Do you know what I mean? Like, like the first Ant-Man, the, the climax is a fight in a children's bedroom with Thomas the Tank Engine. And that's fine. Really it, good. <laughs> it doesn't have to be, oh my God, the world and we're going into the quantum realm and Kang's there. And I, no, I just don't. It's all dark and epic in that. And I'm like, it just feels like any other Marvel movie now. It doesn't feel like Ant-Man has his own kind of tone. It's just like, mm. oh, yeah, end of the world, all of this CGI landscapes, big bad, blah, blah, blah. And I think what Wemoff by Night showed was that if actually Marvel tilt it a bit and just go a bit into the more weird realms um, and do more original-feeling stuff, people will probably respond to that because we are a bit burnt out on the whole uh, Marvel movie thing that, you know, I think everything built up to Endgame and once Endgame was done, they've really struggled. There's been the odd thing, but I think they've struggled with what to do next. Phase four, phase, I don't even know what phase we're in. We're in a phase, but it just (laughs) feels a bit of a mess. It doesn't feel coherent like it used to. It just feels like a bit of a mess. And I just think they need to just capitalise on the more quirky things and do different things and don't necessarily just go CGI, end of the world, evil evil bad person and all of that. I, I completely agree. I, I think the first Ant-Man felt like a weird heist film and I don't know if we need Cosmic Ant-Man. Um, I don't. <laughs> which is fair um and I, I do think some of the films that are being made by marvel defy reasons um like that one with the lack of a point from last year or the year before um which one was that eternals that didn't eternals have um oh I don't know what the reason was. We own this comic book property. We mean we'll make a film of it. Well, yeah, that it feels like that was the motive. And um, 
it's it's always fun to see people start giving a shit when <laughs> when the film gets announced because I know a handful of people who cared about the Eternals before, and it was largely because they needed to read the Neil Gaiman one because it was a Neil Gaiman comic, and mm. um, I know more Neil Gaiman fans who'd read Eternals than Marvel fans who knew anything about the Eternals, and then. It's another one that felt like it was there just to push a really uninteresting aspect of Marvel. Yeah. And I'm not saying there's there's a lot of them, but there are some really uninteresting parts of the Marvel Universe that occasionally <laughs> crop up. Yeah, no matter how hard you try, you keep pushing me aside and I can't... <laughs> okay, that's that share, but... Uh, the Inhumans suck. I'm sorry. I, I've I've tried. I, I read all new Inhumans. I read Uncanny Inhumans. I read Inhumanity. I've read uh, that Paul Jenkins, I think it's called. It's the guy's name book from way back when. I've read old school reprints of Inhumans. They're not interesting. No. They occasionally can be. But ultimately, it's just the X-Men in space. Yeah. Don't at me. <laughs> no one's listening at this point. It's fine. I know. This has been so many obscure rants that we're just in the <laughs> void now. We're in podcast void. Films. I've, I've seen... Films. Go for film. I've seen a whopping five films in the cinema this year. Um... They've all been good. I'm not going to give you a whole like thing, but I am going to say, and I'm I'm going to start with the most like uh, statements of everything, everywhere, all at once was fucking amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't need to be the guy to tell you that the the Golden Globes have said it for you. Maybe I don't know what an award show is. Um, people have said it. Lots of people have said it. I. It's good. It's really, really good. Have a good time. Go watch it. Um, we're also the target audience because we're all mm. multiverse weirdo 90s kids. Yeah. Uh, two, um, he's real fucking dumb, but it works, is Bullet Train, which... Oh, yeah. It's just a lot of people trying to kill each other on a, on a train with quite a really good cast and... Quite a lot of that cast of people from Atlanta, which the show Atlanta, not just not the place. Atlanta. The, yeah, um, really good. Just just good fun. Requires no real thought. It's just a good time. Um, three. I've got Night Sky, which is a kind of noir road trip sci-fi um, mm. about. Um, a bank robber who gets shot. This girl saves his life, and in return, she pro- he promises to drive her to this far off place she needs to go to in the states um, for reasons. And um, I don't want to give too much away because it's twisty and odd, but it's good. It's real good, and it's real. Uh, these ne- that and the next two films are real low budget, but that was like good but unexpected. Um, next, I got The Loneliest Boy in the World, which is about... Okay, it's a little bit Norman Bates, <laughs> but kind of also a fairy tale. 
hear me out. This guy accidentally kills his mother and has never doesn't have any friends, doesn't know anyone. Accidentally kills his mother. Um, there is a plane crash in his town, and he decides to dig up the bodies of the ideal family from this plane crash. And then the next morning, they're all alive and they really are his family. But they're still like decomposing zombies. It's, it's dumb. It's, <laughs> it's, it's good shit, though. It works. Uh, and finally, is Cult Hero, which is about a guy who used to have a reality TV show where he would break up cults and save people from cults um, uh-huh. until he accidentally killed an entire cult by accident. And now this kind of classic, like, Karen character is worried that she's accidentally had her husband join a cult. Um, and the only person she can find to help break up this cult is this guy who's accidentally killed everybody, who's this, like, Dog the Bounty Hunter-esque, <laughs> like, TV personality, ex-TV personality, who together they have to break break up this cult and save her husband. It's real stupid. It's it's real dumb. It's real low budget. It's a mess. It's, it's a good time. Um those last three were probably the stupidest films shown at Grimfest this year in Manchester. Um, but if you're into stupid horror stuff, go to Grimfest next year. It's fun. Um, oh, they're also not available to stream anywhere as far as I can find. But if you can find a copy somewhere in somewhere the, in the depths of the internet. I'm sure they're on some guy's YouTube channel or available like, I don't know. Neo. They're all going to be on Shudder sooner or later, I'm sure, but that's sure. assuming somebody has a Shudder account. Somebody must. Somebody's got one. I mean, the model's there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, pretty weird recommendations here at the end, Angela. <laughs> I um, feel like we slid somewhere. Um, I-, I would love to have video game recommendations or something, but I... I- I've- the most recent game I played was the first, go- well, was the God of War that came out like f- four or five years ago. <laughs> so, also, uh, to, well, to go back, the best TV show I've watched this year is Atlanta. I've binge watched all three seasons of it. There's a fourth season now that I need to watch. Didn't come out this year. Season four did. It's good. It's real good. <laughs> Atlanta, the TV show, not the place. Um, don't have any video game recommendations to go for because um, I'm so woefully out of date. Don't have any board game recommendations. I can hit you with some music recommendations if you really... Go um, on. I mean, I've listened to not a lot this year. Well, I have, but it's old <coughs> stuff. It's not new. Um, yeah, fair, I've done a lot of that quite obsessively for something that should be its own podcast, but instead will just be my mental breakdown. Um, providing you are into kind of indie stuff and like, I don't know, emo-y, poppy, punky stuff. Um, I, I was a teenager in the 90s, so... so yeah, fair. <laughs> um, Please Don't Take Me Back by Martha is a really good, like, UK indie emo pop punk thing about not pop punk like poppy and punk but not pop punk um that is a thinly veiled 
evaluation of life in the UK right now and um, Brexit and how everything is getting worse. Please don't take me back as a single initially comes across as being like um, a song about breaking up with someone then wanting to get back together and then realizing you shouldn't. But it's actually just about like how um, everyone wanted to go back to the old days before the EU because it was better, but they weren't better. No. (laughs) Um, What else I got? Uh, The unraveling of Pup the Band by the band pup is uh, <laughs> it is real good um uh, i described this really well to someone the other day as upbeat misery yeah they're uh, oh yay every pup album is miserable but they're surprisingly chipper about it isn't that what you want in music um i got other stuff i don't know those are my top two things. Go go Yay. listen to those albums. I'm correct. <coughs> go and find them. Um, if anyone really wants more music recommendations, hit me up. I can I can I can go. Yeah. Um, this has been a bit of a mess and has gone way longer than I thought this episode was going to go because we've to gone. Be fair, real... I feel like we were focused on comics, and then when we dropped the comics, we dropped coherency. <laughs> There's also been some tangents that are <laughs> Did not the, if in. not just plain ridiculous. We will be back next week um, for more of our regular-ish programming, I guess. Yes. Um, um, hopefully we will be doing some interviewing with Cavan Scott if technology... And his oh, PA. Things. Um, yeah, if those things actually come together, um, I need to email his PA again and find a laptop that works reliably enough <laughs> to do this. So cross your fingers and pray. Um, I'm also going to start plugging now because I'll forget otherwise. If you are in or around the north of the United Kingdom, um, I am hosting a small press market on Saturday the 4th of Manchester. February. Saturday the 4th of February um, in Manchester at the Union, which is like the MMU, Manchester Metropolitan University Student Union. Um, it's on Oxford Road. It's quite easy to find. It could be true. I think technically it's on like higher Cambridge Street, but it's well, you get you go you go in the it. area. It's yeah. it's not that far from the centre of Manchester, um, and we'll have many good UK artist people together. Um, come to that, hang out with me, tell me you listen to my podcast, and I'll quiz you to ch- see if that's actually true. Um, Possibly about this very episode. <laughs> I'll ask specific questions about what's wrong with the BBC. Um, if you, yeah, if, if you're in the north of England, come to that. Um, it's going to be fun. We have some really good artists, and I am excited. Not that this tone suggests, <laughs> but trust me, I'm happy. I'm, enthusiasm. It's going to be great. I'm, if I wasn't so tired from doing all the work, um, I would have more enthusiasm to promote the work. Um, yeah. Cool. I think that's us. Um, that is us done, yes. Thank you for suffering through 2022 and through, and through Bigger Than Capes evaluation of such a year. 
Um, if right. your if your favourite things from 2022 were mentioned, sweet. If not, Twitter us. Um, sign up at to our coffee Bigger and then Cakes. message us there to tell us. Yes. Also, presumably at Bigger Than Capes. Uh, Facebookers, I guess, if you're that way inclined. Instagram me. Instagram the podcast, probably. Yeah, all of the um, social media that we are currently on. Yes, let us all have a good time and enjoy 2023. It's 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 going to be a good one, right? Right? I mean, I'd say it can't be any worse, but... I said that about um, 2019, and look where that got us. Um, so, thank you for listening. We've been Bigger yeah. Than Capes. And as always, keep on trucking, baby. <laughs>